Good evening and welcome back to The Front Porch. My name is Dennis Rogers and I'm joined by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? Winter is finally here. Yeah, it's freezing. It's a uh, frozen Iceland out there, so I guess I'm okay. I'm trying. I'm, I'm literally in the studio with cover on me, I'm just wrapped up a bit. Mm-hmm. I record in a cool location to preserve all the uh, historical equipment and documentation that we do here. Okay, I wasn't sure if you were going somewhere with that. If like all of your Star Wars Phantom Menace uh, Pepsi cans, and hey, whatnot. you may, your your location is cool. Hey, hey. No, no knocking my, my nerd den here. It's, it's, it's a zen it's place that, awesome. that I don't tell any, where anybody is, you know. This is not where I take people that come to my house on a date or anything. This is, you, you don't come downstairs. You've been down here at the house. When you come into the garage, I have this door closed all times, right? <laughs> when, when you get to know me better, okay, and you trust that I'm not crazy, you can come down to this area. Okay. But hopefully I'm going to do some little bit of a remodeling next month before the big, the big thing I'm nervous about it and i got a lot to do next month but mm. i'm excited about it gonna make downstairs area into like a futon bedroom type place and build in a build an addition onto the house for um icg con yeah i mean it's starting to expand i mean we're getting people now we uh I, I won't name names but this year we had to uh cut back the guest list and drop a couple people that were not mm. so Less than ideal, shall we say? Yeah, less than ideal. Just a few people. There, it was all good. You were there. It's the, you know good people, but some people. What's the nice way to put it? Imbibe too much, mm. and uh, were rowdy, and, and <laughs> they'd been warned and before. It, it, that's a, that's saying a lot in our group of friends. It, it is. It is. And, and this this was this was a uh, like an invitee type person that was new ish. Mm. Had come for a sure, couple sure. years but just kind of let it go too much. So, I don't know. Somebody vouched for him. Yeah. So, <laughs> it, it's it's okay, but um we we got a lot of people and it starts to get really crowded and the house is a decent sized house but it's not massive, you know, we got It's yeah, it's a big commitment and uh and you want, you know, everybody has a you all you all have basically the same goal and it's not like um it's not like christmas with your family where you can uninvite people yeah. <laughs> you can't you can't uninvite people i mean you can with some families but not you know, right thankfully m- mine is not that way where we you know still all put up with each other and, uh, yeah the, it's uh here i can actually say nope nope he's we, we got a nice rule for for those who are if you if you're out there listening to this right now and uh you don't know what we're talking about in the last three minutes. Uh, I, I have a I have a, a a game weekend for a year, uh, once per year. That um, I think it was twenty six last year's we had on Saturday twenty six twenty seven. People come over and stay the weekend from Friday to Sunday, and we play games twenty four hours, all kinds of games and movies. Just and- yeah, just play games like some video games, mostly board games. It's on the roughly halfway. Uh, in the year between Gen Con, yep, and and the following Gen Con, yep, yep, it also uh, aligns fairly closely with Spring Break when kids are gone, so mm-hmm. that people can can gather. And yeah, in a tight gathering like that, you want all the right kind of people. I remember when you first told me about it, you're like, "Yeah, we started out, and we'd have people bring, you know, spouses or whatever, and they are not as much in- into gaming, and they sit around talking, and it's like, yeah, it's a crowded house, and this is really all we want to do. It's yeah." Even even more than Gen Con, because Gen Con has so many other activities. You're going to events, you're going out to eat, you're, you know, 
yeah, staying up yeah. late and, and so sleeping in and and all that. This is just games nonstop. Yeah, and um, and you roll out of bed, it's, it's you, you plop yourself down on the couch, and then within ten minutes, someone's like, "Hey, I'm going to play this." Someone's playing it, or it's, I think it's worse is when I'm sitting on the couch and I see other people starting games in the other room, and I'm like, "Hey, I want to play." <laughs> I want. I know. I'm just sitting here, but which is pretty great. Uh, so yeah, it, and it's also the the best, the biggest, most important thing for us as organizers for this kind of a thing is um, finding the people that mix. You know, right. I mean, every it's real important for all of us to just have the feeling of getting away and having a good time, and and you know, most of these people don't know each other. Like you didn't know any of the people when you were coming down here, except for I think on Saturday when some of our friends came. Yeah, that's that's what I said when I got there. I walked in your house and I had, I had not been to your house before, and I was mm-hmm. like, "Hey, room full of people I don't know." Oh, and also Pat. <laughs> well, yeah, that's right. Pat Pat's there all the time. Yeah, Pat's there the whole time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but but that's what the goal is that like so you could drop in and the people that we want there will be totally fine because it's the same way there and everyone works. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like-minded. Like-minded, say. that's right. And you know, most of that like-minded thing are pretty much uh, nerdy, geeky people. And right. they, but they're not, I don't think anyone there is kind of like the, the sheltered kind of person who doesn't, not socially awkward terribly. Um, no. But they, but they still, I'm sure, don't go and fly their geek flag high every day. Um, but but right. here you come on, all of a sudden everyone's doing the same thing. And you're like, heck Yeah. <laughs> Right. We played last year. We played the World of Warcraft, the board game. I got pictures of that. I just looked at that yeah. the other day. Like you guys did the Still full time. thing. I, I was well, I was actually pretty pr- proud of that because I'm I'm usually the one that since I own it, the one that's you know pulling for people to come out and play six hours with me, game. and and yeah. I didn't. And you guys got it out and figured the rules out. Are, are you going to do a let's play this year and and, and run through it? Pr- probably not. I don't, I don't. <laughs> That was that was a long commitment of time for a game that wasn't very good. You know, I got um, I got Trotsky to play that game one year, the yeah. whole time, the whole time. I feel like, well, this is not entirely true, but I feel like he would play any game once. I think so. I think so too. He'd do a lot of things just once, but he'd do them. You know, tw- no, he said twice. He said I'd do anything. I'd do anything twice. All right. <laughs> I mean, there are some games you can look at and go, yeah, I'm definitely not going to like that if it's clearly like, you know, yeah, I don't know. Hi-ho Cherio or something. Um, <laughs> right, right. But anyway, that, that's coming up, and I'm excited, and hopefully we'll, you know, I got to make long sure as we're, uh, As long as we're talking about this kind of stuff, why don't we uh, jump right in and, and take care of uh, good times? Hey, good times. Um, yeah, so what's going on with you, or what has gone on with you that's pretty amazing stuff in your life, Dennis? Well, you I You sold your house this, finally? <laughs> not yet, but we're, <laughs> we're getting... We're getting to where we have a vague uh, um, sort of goal in mind. Dad wants to see if we can get all of the inside stuff wrapped up before it gets warm enough to do the outside stuff that we still have. Mm-hmm. Like a fence and a, and a deck issue to take care of. Um, so we'll see about that. But I was um, listening to the show, by the way, as last week or the week before. And, and, we, and you mentioned that, like working on the house of some sort and you said yeah and uh hopefully when we can do this and get this all done in a couple months and i was like oh man he's got a timeline you know (laughs) just a couple months it's still you know i i'm i'm all about the tempered expectations but um yeah i think i mentioned last week that david and his family were back at mom and dad's for the week Mm -hmm. last week yep and um and so he and dad came over here during the day while i was working 
and um, got most of the drywall hung that we uh, still needed to do on the first floor. Oh, that's so huge. That's yeah, that's big. That's because that's big. a two man job hanging yeah. drywall, and and a not fun two man job. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean it's it's not bad. I I did it some of it on the second floor, but uh, yeah, yeah. Screwed in. Make so it that's happen. that's pretty cool. Um, felt like I had one other thing. I know, I know um, you're coming in town this week. Yeah, yeah. This weekend I'm coming into town. Our our buddy Fox is flying in. Uh, and despite that, I'm coming to visit. So, uh, <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> yeah, so what, it's, what it's going to you? be what you, me, you? and Fox all all in the same place again. So that'll be fun. Besides, besides the yeah. Gen Con time. So yeah, we're gonna do uh, we're gonna do in person Star Trek adventures. And, uh, <laughs> I'll set I'll set some mics up. We might end up with a Klingons and Dragons live show. Yeah, I had what was it? We were so our Klingon Dragons offline saga is something that should be well documented too it's the idea of that we can never ever seem to meet and then it never fails that on the day of when we're all finally going to make this happen something falls through uh yeah yeah always. well i mean if if people are following the podcast uh you know every one session we meet only makes two podcast episodes and it's probably been three or four weeks since i've tried to keep it on a schedule but it's just uh the, our play schedule is so erratic that it's hard to uh <laughs> right hard to keep the publishing schedule up but so, so we had i don't know that we're doing a little bit of crossover here with klingons and dragons with this talk but the uh we were going to play um last week is that right last wednesday last week, and yeah. i thought it, i thought it was a i thought it was a done deal i thought we were all on board with this i it's was gonna happen i was all ready to go and uh and all of that stuff and fox said um you know because he's he's packing and has his last you know, last week at home before he before he makes this trip, and he's like, "Are we sure that we don't want to uh, maybe postpone and and play in person?" And so <laughs> then we talked this whole thing. I'm like, "You guys sure you want to play in person? When are we going to do it? Because it's only a weekend, and you know, people are working Thursday and Friday, and Pat has some stuff s- Saturday. So, um, yeah, we're going to do that. And so we pushed off uh, the our normal our normal session so that I could. Uh, prepare a different um, um, scenario because our our next online session is part two of a story and I didn't want to do that in person and not have the recording fail hmm, that would mess right. up the the podcast so right that's good yeah. that's smart well I uh, the the crux of all this is that I was I was ready to go I had you know I had, had myself you know psyched and prepared and then I got a text <laughs> from you a text random out of the blue and it says, Hey, um, we're talking about this change in the day. Yeah. Cause Something. everyone else had chimed in, in, in group me and you had not. And I was like, I need to get his attention. So that, <laughs> and, and you yeah. did that. That was proper. And I come back and I'm like, what? There's this long thread about everybody. And then it was kind of like, Oh, we're changing it. <laughs> and by the way, we're doing it when he comes in and let's meet. And I was like, wait, all you fools. <laughs> I got to organize my days to get things to happen. And then, and now I just put, I just hit, put my, with that image of some head guy with his head in his hands, you know, between his knees, like what, what is happening here? So, and I don't know how we're going to make it work with the schedule, but I think, I think I've, I, Sunday is going to be super packed from wake up to sundown. And then I don't even know if I'm going to go to bed Saturday night, if we're going to end up hanging out with you guys all that time. So we'll, yeah, this is going to be a a sleepless Thursday through whenever I have a feeling. 
Yeah, yeah, Gen Con, mini uh, Gen Con. All right, and then I have the weekend after that's my birthday, and I'm going up to Indianapolis to um, an old, my old D&D group that I used to play with is getting together, and my buddy wants to run something, because we haven't seen each other in like two years. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, Dane and Bill and, and Dave and Bob, another Bob, I, I know. And we're going to somehow, by the stars align, play a little bit of D&D uh, the day before my birthday. So we'll... I, again, just like Star Trek, I'm cautiously optimistic that it'll actually happen. You know, <laughs> here we are a week out, and, and then it's great. I got a text about that thing today, and one of our one of my buddies is a, the best way to call him, nicest way to put it, call him is a flake. He's one that will, sure. yes, get excited about stuff, and then like the day of, like, ah, I guess something come up. Um, <laughs> and then so somebody sent out a text today just, you know, kind of reiterating that we're having this in a week. And sure enough, that guy responds back, uh, my wife has got a Christmas party for some kind of, or a Valentine's sure. Day party or some kind of noise. And we're like, what? And then somebody replied with the exact day. And he's like, oh, I thought it was an different day. Never mind. I'll be there. It's like, God, <laughs> it's going to fall through. I just know it's going to fall through. So that'll be one of my good times in a, in a you know, coming it's, up. It's been fun because Andrew is in the process of starting his own, uh, um, remote over discord um uh D campaign oh cool that he he's gonna dm for the first time nice and so he's like every time i see him because we're both staying at my parents like i go upstairs go to the bathroom or whatever like he's got some new anecdote some new some new twist he's putting in his in his world or his story he's doing this stuff with angels and they're based on the literal angels in uh in christian literature and whatever mm-hmm. and it, he'll, he'll like get in really detailed like i know he's crafting a campaign so it's in his mind but i'm like uh okay mm-hmm. uh-huh mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah cool yeah. <laughs> and he's excited about it right yeah of course of course right. uh, i well, mean i do i do the same thing i talk to him about the star trek thing i'm sure he's right he's equally as as overwhelmed by that well he, he's uh dump. But, the 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 fun part I like to hear about that he, you you telling me about him is that it's it's almost like one of those oh I remember back in those days when I felt hopeful um, be, because like as it, all DMs do you get so excited to craft a world and if you've got some kind of imagination and you like the world even the whole thing of world building and you do so much work and put so much idea and thought into everything and then like the players are like okay uh, we just skip to the end. And you're like, mm-hmm. I just spent so much time crafting this cult, whole religion based on. <laughs> I mean, if you're watching any of those Penny Arcade things, uh, comics, they talk about that, a lot, doing that a lot. Yeah, so. yeah. They just had a thread about that world building sort of thing. Fortunately <laughs> right. for me, with the, the Star Trek thing, the world is already built. And I'm also not even building the the stories. I'm just taking pre-written stories and sort of uh, fudging them a little bit where they're not as not as specific right i got i got so I'm, I think, I'm not as personally invested but i do still feel that same that same frustration uh, say we we, we I, have I uh, we, we have high confidence that. that pretty soon you'll be crafting your own star trek uh, adventures for us to, <laughs> to run through uh so on, on that thread and also probably in some good times um yeah i haven't heard yours yet sorry i know i'm got talking off, about excited off. future good times is what i'm excited for mm-hmm. um this is um i got sydney for uh, Christmas, she's been wanting to do the. She saw that there was a My Little Pony role playing game, okay. um, whole system that they had create, put out. 
Sure. Um, and she kind of wanted it like for the last year. So I got it for her for Christmas. I got it like the, the player's handbook manual. It's like a one book that you need is all you need um, thing. And it's a, it's a, it's the size of a D and D player's handbook. Um, she absolutely loves everything with the, my little pony world and comics and shows and stuff. So this is, you know, just tons of source material that she eats up and she's been reading it. Um, kind of the last week solid. Um, and, I think she, what she initially wanted to do was she wanted me to read it and then run a campaign for her. Uh, but I talked her into reading it and run it for me so I, so that I would be in her like My Little Pony game um, and, and play and have some fun. So I'm, I'm, hoping, nice. I'm hoping that I can do a little bit of encouraging of good role-playing time with her and you know be her first. It's just her dad so she can do like the GMing mm-hmm. and just have fun with it. And I can just be very... Unlike my normal role-playing game self, I can be very, you know, good and kind and take the easy way and let it, make it I easier was, on her and stuff. I, I was going to ask whether you intended on giving her as much grief over your dislike of the system as, <laughs> I mean, uh, as you do right? me. Right. That's, that's that's what I would do. I would do the opposite. Even if I didn't like it for her, I would definitely make sure that sure, sure. I was. Of course. And, and that's I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to that and kind of encouraging her for that. But alongside that, she has actually paused reading um, that because last Monday or Tuesday, I think it was last Wednesday. I went because that's our comic book day. I went to uh, the comic book shop and Sid and I usually go and pick up our once a month. And pick up uh, our comic books together, kind of a dad daughter thing. And um, our local comic book shop is having a, some kind of a clearance thing where they're doing a wacky sale on their stuff where it just gets more and more off. So they had like 40% off on everything in the whole store. And I decided to pick up a couple things for Sid because she's been reading just mainly My Little Pony and kind of wanting to branch out. So. I bought her, they had bundles of the graphic novels for um, the comic book called Mary Jane and Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane. And it's mm-hmm. very age appropriate. It's kind of a middle schooler-ish type thing. Okay. So uh, they, they had a whole bundle of them, like six books, like graphic novel books for $6. Um, wow. Yeah. And, and I got them and she has been reading the living crud out of them. Like every morning, every night, she has read right now four of the six since last Wednesday. Um, and she's intentionally slowing herself down so she doesn't blow through them too much. Uh, mm. so, so that's really kind of cool. And I asked her how she does, and she, you know, she, she did that with a book series called Drama and Smile and Sisters. So she's definitely got the comic book bug in her, uh, which is, you know, cool for me as a comic book nerd dad. Um, so that's definitely, for me, kind of good times. I just like smiling. I, I, I've learned as a parent to not in, not encourage too heavily or show right. that you really, really like something. You just say, oh, that's really great. I'm proud of you. And then try to change the subject so they get the idea that you're proud. But because as soon as you say, I really like it, let's do more and get into it, they get out of it. So Sure, sure. Um, yeah, I, I listen to um, um, a couple of Merlin Mann's podcasts, and he has one with uh, uh, called Reconcilable Differences. And they're both um, fathers. Their kids are like, middle school age and they're both in their 40s i think and so mm-hmm. they 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 did an episode recently talking about music where they're like yeah i gotta try and you know be real subtle about it like you know i have the band playing when <laughs> yeah. when she comes in the room and we're just hanging out she's on her ipad and she's like oh what uh what band is this he's like oh oh this band some 
it's, it's a band called Churches. Church, churches with a V. The uh, lead singer is the same height as you. They're from Scotland. It's it's whatever. <laughs> right. You know? Exactly. Like like just just like tamp down all the enthusiasm because because you, you know, really want them to like it. But right. <laughs> right. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. You, I I can't. Funny. I I would try to, in the past. I would. Like how I gave her these books was also a very tempered thing. It was, it was, um, I think I put it on this seat cause I picked her up from guitar lessons and I put it on her seat and she got in the car and, uh, oh, it was all the comic books. It was in the bag. And she said, Oh, we got comic books. I was like, yeah, great. And she dove in the bag to get her comic books and saw that there was these extra ones there. And she said, oh, what are these? I said, oh, I got this Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane thing. I know that we were just watching Spider-Verse, and um, uh, this one's got you know Gwen in it. Um, and I was thinking about reading it, but if you want to read it, you can go ahead and check it out. Obviously, it was for her. But, right. right? It, it reminds me of, um, it's like the opposite of Ralphie in A Christmas Story. Yeah. When he keeps like trying to leave all these little hints. Oh, in, the Red Rider BB Guns. magazine and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what it is. So it's it's uh it's kids kids are funny that way. They they did they you don't. ever uh, talking about um, role playing other role playing systems? Did you ever look at that um, that DC system you bought the book for at Gen Con? Oh, cred! No, actually, I don't. That's a I need to pull that out because I was kind of interested in that. Um, it looked it looked kind of cool. Not a new thing because it was like on clearance or something. I think right. Know. Well, I yeah. went back to that booth and it was all sold out except for some obscure like villains or yeah. city handbook or something. I think that, I think that actually it's not old. I think it's within the last three, four years, maybe even. Oh, and it was just on sale. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm actually kind of interested on it. I, if I'm not mistaken, I'm just trying to pull back in my old man memory here is that, um, uh, it, it's actually based on another system. So sure. the, the systems around, this is just kind of like a, uh, how to, you know, here it is if you, a standalone for this, but it uses the other system. Um, right. And it may be even like a D20 system like, so that I'm used to. Uh, so, so I'm going right. to, I'll pull, yeah, I'll pull that out. We was just talking, we were just talking about off the air about, um, I was thinking about finding a new book to read. And I know that's not like a book book, but <laughs> you know, some, some things you can I, skip over in those books, like the lore stuff. You don't really need I, to. I read through last, not this past Christmas, but the year before I, I pretty much read the Star Trek manual. Right. Uh, front to back and it's because of the way the rules work that book is mostly lore so there was some stuff that i was like okay yes i know who the ferengi are let me i'll skip ahead yeah right um, right all in the form of like they had a, a team of writers and they put you know they put quotes from the shows but then also would write stuff like knowing an episode of the show they would write you know a a, a personal log that one of the characters made that's not actually canon but you know, fleshes out the story in the world a little bit. Yeah, I, I wonder. I, I the, one of the hardest parts about reading something like that is that I, I have to look at it in a perspective of just purely. I'm going to use this word loosely, educational on my part, mm -hmm. because yeah. it, you know it's, it's DC superhero thing and it's a role playing game. For me to find the right. people to play that game would be so rare. You know, it's I'd have to find, put it in an ad somewhere. <laughs> uh, to, to get anybody it'd be rare i i we i think we might have mentioned on the air before is that way back in my younger days i wanted to i saw that they had a world of warcraft and an everquest role-playing system and i i would have loved to have gotten into those things but who the heck would i know that would play those things besides me 
Yeah, that's that's tricky, especially especially while like you know I know the I know the world of Azeroth fairly well, but like the game game keeps going, and so you're like, well, what is the what does the role playing do? Can I you know can I use this spell? Well, this spell's not in the game anymore, you know, or whatever. Right. Like that would be a that would be a confusing thing. It's almost yeah. the opposite the opposite problem that I had with uh, um, with Inner Sea when I played Pathfinder. So I'm like, I don't know this world at all. How do I say what country I'm, what nationality my person is, my my character, if I don't know the world? If it was Azeroth, then I could say I could come up with it in five minutes. But, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's funny how that works. And, and I thought I thought that it would be, I mean, there's there was at its high point 12 million player active subscribers, at least accounts. You know, mm-hmm. 14 million of them were Chinese gold farmers. But the uh, um, there was a lot of people that were playing that, and I figured that if if by chance someone did at least or was interested in that, not necessarily a system, but they were interested in Warcraft, that you know, hey, we could get into this thing, and they would have an idea of what a warlock is and what a mm-hmm. death knight is, and have an idea and say like, oh, I know what I'm doing, kind of, and then we right. can learn how how the new system. So, you know, I wonder if they've got that somewhere on online that you can pick that up for ten dollars somewhere but that'd be i should go to that you know at gen con they always have those that big book area where you can buy tons of mm-hmm. old systems for really dirt cheap i should go look and check that out because that'd be a cool yeah. those two everquest and world of warcraft would be a fun thing to you know just see how they they do it wow we we got off on that one so yeah that was a long <laughs> uh good time segment let's let's jump over uh before we before we forget or, or use up too much time here, let's let's talk about our 2020 challenge. Uh, this was the Spielberg classic 1982's E.T. the Extraterrestrial. Isn't that redundant? What? It's E dot T dot, so it's like extraterrestrial. The extraterrestrial. Am I being? Um, I'm, I'm being. I'm getting a lot of. I can already hear you out there. Rolling your eyes at me and so, groaning some of your, online. Some of your friends are are yelling at their phones. Yes, they are. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's an acronym that nobody had heard before this, and I think so. We watched this. Uh, I watched this with my family, uh, my parents, uh, my sister Sarah, who is uh, a couple years younger than me. She's uh, thirty five, and our youngest sister, who's nineteen. Um, most of us. I I know that I've seen bits and pieces of it. I don't know that I had ever sat down and watched the whole thing start to finish. Man, um, I I'm I'm recognizing a trend with you, Dennis Rogers. By the way, there's a lot of movies <laughs> that you've just seen pieces of. Here, I mean, there. this is a this is an old movie, and it's not you know because we weren't allowed to watch it when we were kids. It wasn't in the house, and that you know it wasn't like my grandparents would have had it on VHS or something like that. It just didn't didn't cross my uh didn't cross my path are are you one of those guys are you one of those guys that like watches a movie and then walks out of the room halfway through and then goes to something else no no i mean (laughs) i i am generally very intentional about movie watching and so what it all that means is that i never had someone say oh you haven't seen this you need to watch this but more likely i was somewhere where it was on Ah, oh, yeah, okay, and and saw bits and pieces of it that way, yeah. um, and, and, you, and you don't want to want to sit down and watch when you come halfway through a show. You don't. Want I don't to want to walk into thing. a movie that's forty five minutes in and, uh, um, you know, try and pick up the pieces. Yeah, uh, right. 
and lose everything. Got it. Got and it. Okay. All right. So, that was a good so, yeah, explanation. The, that was a good explanation. In the in the 80s there are many holes in my uh in my movie watching history. You know, I when I was a kid I never saw sure. Goonies, but I did no. see what? I saw Mr. Mom dozens of times. <laughs> right. Um, you know, I never saw Bill and Ted, but I saw Back to the Future because one of my cousins had it had the tape and I watched it over at his house. Uh, <laughs> nice cheating the system yeah it's, it's just just whatever but um yeah it was interesting to to get the little reactions uh from my family especially my sister she's very uh expressive while watching movies and uh she's i think she had a similar complaint about the title and i'm like well before this movie came out nobody knew that that's what et meant <laughs> we all know now because it's a cultural icon but uh right you know <laughs> it had to be. It had to be clarified. They're like, we call him ET, and this is why. Okay, so while I was being a little facetious with that one, I I remember I just watched that movie. Like I just watched it yesterday, and I know that Elliot walks into the room and starts calling him ET, and he say, he has him say his name. It's when he first starts talking. Mm-hmm. Where does Elliot come up with the name? I don't because I don't think they actually say extraterrestrial anywhere. Uh, somebody somebody does. Do they? Maybe the older brother says something like about an ET or something. Weird. Maybe. I, I, man, I kind of want to go back and just fast forward I, through some things. I watched that. that scene too, and I, I I don't remember. I don't remember. I mean, I don't remember them ever that. in the movie saying extraterrestrial. The, that would have been a weird word on those kids' mouth. Yeah, um, for sure. I mean but, the the older brother is like a D and D nerd, so yeah, he he might have come from there. So by the way. The this I did watch, but my mom had some issues with it. Not not bad because she really liked it and she actually watched it with all us kids and and it was one of her beloved shows. Mm-hmm. But I know my growing up roots of crazy. No offense to people out there in the world that are Southern Baptist, but these were like far <laughs> crazy Southern Baptist people. Um, that they had like lists of you would go and they would, you cannot watch this movies and here's why. And ET yeah, was one of I mean, them. That was that was big in the eighties. Yeah, right. And and ET e. was one of them. And the primary thing I remember, even as a kid, now that I think of it, I knew why because I was told why not to watch it is because they at the beginning of that when they played D anD D, and D anD D was definitely like Satan's <laughs> horrible right. thing to Which corrupt is, youth. Is so ridiculous. And even if even if it is, it's such a small part of the movie. Yeah, like right. They're interacting with an alien. Like, the fact that they play D&D in the beginning is, like, the least of the issues someone, uh, you know, a concerned conservative parent could have with this film. Oh, but I'm sure that the argument is there is that, oh, they just want to slowly get you into used to having it around. and sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so anyway, I I, I actually liked pointing out things that I I, know one of the little areas of this – thing we're doing for this 2020 challenge is to talk about like what did we notice that we didn't notice before right i I actually watched that beginning scene like three times just to slowly watch the D &D thing they were doing because i could actually do it now right and and see and see Mm -hmm. the and focus on hey what they're doing and how they're playing and what they're nothing real important but i gotta see that they actually had like a maze set up on their their kitchen table and a three-dimensional thing and (laughs) i was like that's of course, they're they're like casting the spells and stuff. And is he an elf? And I'm like, oh, okay, it's it's cool. Yeah. 
It's cool. I get it. So, so what are you, going on along that line, what, what was some things that you, you said you hadn't seen it all the way through, but do you remember anything that, that was a little bit notable to point out in here that you didn't get of the E.T. lore or, you know, that, that you as an adult watching this show now may have brought to your mind? I mean, it's so, it's hard to, it's hard to separate this film, and I don't think you can really. You can't separate this film from its cultural impact, mm-hmm. right? It's one of the one of the top ten grossing films of all time, uh, yep. adjusted for inflation. Um, you know, up there with Citizen Kane and The Godfather. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I don't know if Citizen Kane was. A top it di- it didn't get beat out until Jurassic Park came out. It was yeah number one until then yeah. Um, and knowing that it. Uh, it comes right in between um, Empire and Return of the Jedi uh, chronologically, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. because because there were there were several times where my family members were like, "What? You know, this is a movie that is thirty five, thirty six, whatever. It's over thirty five sure. years old now." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, of course, you know, it's all practical effects and. And everything, but it's it's a little bit like um, what I forget which one of our friends said this. They were talking about original Star Wars, and they're like, "Here's the thing with original Star Wars: if even if you watch the the original, you know, before the special edition where they added CGI in, like, yes, you you know when things are are puppets, right? I mean, anything that's not a person is a puppet, but." Um, it all, it all, for the most part, looks pretty real for the time. Um, sure. The the thing that's that's hard is that all of the other stuff that was coming out at the time has been forgotten. Right. Okay. Like n- nobody nobody goes and watch. I mean, I'm sure that some people do, but relative to the amount of people who will rewatch or watch for the first time uh, original Star Wars. Um, nobody goes and watches other sci-fi that was being made in the seventies. Sure, right. There's a few, but it's hard. Right. There, there are also it's also a few and far between for those genres. I mean, even for ET, sure. Right before that was like in the seventies. It was Close Encounters of the Third Kind was the only thing that was comparable. Yeah, it was like five years before this before this came out. And so you look at even even compared to the stuff um, ILM did for Star Wars. Um, and you know the the actual alien ET is very weird looking, and you know that it's not real, but it still all is is pretty advanced. The sure. you know the face is very expressive. Um, it has all of these all of these movements and uh, and stuff that you know you know I know took a ton of work, right. Um, and, and so that's a, that's an aspect of it. That's, that's part of the, um, whatever the, the appeal or the, or the success of this, of this movie. The other piece of it is this, like this, this story, this friendship story that is so, um, I'm not sure what word to use for it. It's 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 told 
in in pictures and abstracts instead of with words. Does okay. that make sense at all? How, how? Give me an example. Um, I mean, the first time that they fly, it's this it's this huge moment. And even though, I, like, I know that that's a a sort of cliche about the film, mm-hmm. it's it still was kind of emotionally moving when I saw it. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think partly because I wasn't I wasn't quite prepared. I wasn't quite expecting it. Um, it, happens, it happens quick. You know, like he takes off. And you're like, oh, this. It oh, happens this quick. Happens. Like, yeah. like they've sort of established that ET has telekinesis of some mm-hmm. kind, and they've not yet really. Or maybe they have. They're 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 establishing that he has some kind of emotional link with Elliot, right? right. When he when he gets drunk and when they play that scene from The Quiet Man and he kisses the girl, mm-hmm. which is just crazy. My you know my my little sister. She's like, what? What is happening? What is going on? The, so um, that just so you know, that scene was that scene was cut. Like that was not in the in the thing. That whole like drunk stuff was not in the movie. Oh, really? Yeah, the, they because it was of too, the kid it's PG, get, yeah. Yeah, it I was mean, the kid getting drunk. So they sure. they took it out. There were there were choice scenes in there like uh, ET going in there and getting the beer was cut. Uh, Elliot burping was cut. Elliot looking like he's drunk was cut. But they still had the 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 frogs and the kissing scene was in there. But it was all it all that whole. I remember thinking of that whole scene as being really weird, and I didn't understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, but now putting censored. in the beer thing, yeah, I, I get it. And I'm like, okay, he's drunk. Uh, um, but that was you know cut out. And so it's. It helps. You sent me that article before we started, sort of explaining some of the origins of this and how it's uh, it's inspired by Spielberg's actual childhood uh, yep. being an outsider in his neighborhood. But even not knowing that, the the story of this movie is all emotion, mm-hmm. right? Very like ki- kid like youth emotion, young. Th- there's emotion, right? there's no like you don't really understand the motivations of any of the government people um you know this is one of the few movies i've seen where astronauts uh, american astronauts are are seen as villainous yeah right that was something that was something Um, i didn't feel comfortable because i liked the astronauts and i was like you you have this villain very i mean it it felt heavily foreshadowed with his keys yep but i noticed the keys from the the first sequences in the woods because they kept showing them. I'm like, oh, these keys. We're gonna I was going to comment out. His actually name's Agent Keys. Not his name name, Keys. but his, his, he doesn't have a name. It's they don't they, give him a name, right. It's he's like, credited um, as Agent Keys. It's like the bass player in uh, That Thing You Do. Um, there, there, I'm, I'll talk about this a little bit more in a second, but I, I want to say why you're on this is that Man, was Spielberg cramming those keys down your, your throat? Like, you are going to yeah, know that this yeah. guy has keys on his belt and that's a And that's a kid movie thing right everything has to be pretty obvious so that uh, so that you you pay attention to it but then and so so that's not explained and then when you look at it me looking at it as an adult when they actually you know turn the house into a clean room and all of that stuff which is is sort of ridiculous um none of the adults really seem malicious which is always the the thing 
you know, it's a it's a trope that's become really common now. The like, oh, you have to hide him, otherwise they're going to put him in a lab and do tests on him, and and blah blah blah. Like, that's clearly probably what they were trying to do, but all they really did was turn the house into a hospital and then try to keep him alive. Yeah, I, I remember specifically as a kid watching that movie and thinking that this was a terrible thing and they're doing all these experiments on him and they're causing, this is all the horror stuff that we hear about the government agents. But now when I watched it, no, they were all just doing things to keep him alive and being good, like government people. They were doctors and, you know, they were desperately trying to save him and Elliot. Yeah. And they're, you know, so they're, so they're mostly just misguided. And part of that is, you know, the perception of, of the government in the eighties you know, uh, G men and G men. Yeah. yeah, All the, all that kind of thing. And then you get to this, you get to this big finale and it's all, it's all slow and big. It's like one of the, one of the few movies I've seen where there's, there's almost too much John Williams. Oh, I see. That was, I was just, (laughs) as you were talking about the emotional, part with that 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 going up i i first because that it only works because of john williams like all of I mean, this thing only works you only feel the emotion because oh my gosh it of course and it's so a big and it's a way i don't know not a lot of movies i don't know every every statement i think of making here i i realize is inaccurate um <laughs> not a lot of movies do big orchestral symphonic scoring anymore like yeah the avengers fil- or the the mcu has orchestral soundtrack but mm-hmm. it's it's understated and yeah only and, only a few swelling moments and unobtrusive it's a sort of you know we could do a whole topic about how music uh ends up getting recycled and it's it's really because they play music during the dailies during production and so now the director has that music in his head and can't and can't switch it um dissociate from there but this this john williams music in this in this movie is at times so big it it's it's almost more like a classic classical symphony where they're like telling a story but it's just music it's all just orchestral music yeah um you know, like a, like a, I mean, of course a ballet has dancing, but, um, it's that kind of, like, there's so much music going on. Um, I, I think that, that he, I, I, people of the, the eighties and nineties and heck today, uh, owe their entire careers to that man. I mean, there, there is just you, if you watched star Wars without, with a different score, you would not be star Wars. And if you watched, right. you know, Jurassic park, um, ET, it's just there's jaws there's just no because you think about it the, the directors have input with this right they talk them and they give them emotions and feelings but the guy comes with just words on a page and long pauses and i was thinking of et when the scene because they do a big john williams thing at the end when et is going home and yeah. and it's like huge swelling and stuff and that's it they even do the whole timpani bum 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 yeah. bum bum um <laughs> and right and i'm like this is if i just turn the sound off here and just looked at the director's seeing it's just like scenes after scene after just shots of nothing they're just shots and williams t- takes these just long shots and makes emotion out of everyone and then it slows it down and it's quiet and 
I'm like, holy cow, this dude is making me feel just yeah. a myriad of emotions by just music. Yeah, for you sure. Know? And it's not it's not in the scenes or it's not in the shot or it's not in the acting. You know, the the, the moon one is what made me think about it here mm-hmm. too, is that that okay, they goes, Oh, E.T. and he goes flying, and that's neat, but what makes it sound like, oh, it's so emotional is that music that just, you know, kicks in at high gear at that point. Yeah, know, when wow. when we get to the the big chase scene um when they all fly mm-hmm. um somebody you know one of my parents is like oh they they all get to fly this time uh because i don't think they had seen it either um <laughs> i said i said yeah they do even greg <laughs> even the jerk greg <laughs> like two or three times they're like shut up greg <laughs> even greg now Greg was the one was the one that ordered pepperoni, pe- pizza and pepperoni, right? Or sausage and pepperoni. He's like, hey. I, by the way, they sent Elliot out with money at the beginning there mm-hmm. to to go pick up the pizza from the pizza, the pizza man that's coming out there. And Greg yells out at him. He's like, and make sure it has lots of sausage and pepperoni. I'm like, what is what is <laughs> Elliot going to do in the driver? My my little sister was so concerned about that pizza through that sequence when he goes and looks in the shed because he's he's got like he's got a baseball glove and a ball and he's balancing the pizza on top of that and and my sister's like she's like what's what, why is he balancing the pizza like what's he, what's he doing and then like he hears a sound and goes walking and I, I go I go oh it's just like stranger things when Dustin finds that little slug and uh she's like what's no put set that pizza down somewhere <laughs> And then, it's, and then he, she's like, she's like, he's gonna drop it. And then he, and then he does set it on the ground. And he goes and looks in the in the shed. And she's like, she's like, oh, that. And my other sister goes, you're so you're so concerned about that pizza. She's like, he's probably gonna step on it. And then he does. <laughs> he does. And you're like, I told you so. Uh, uh, you know that that pizza. I had that similar feeling with that pizza later on. I didn't realize it until later because. Mm-hmm. They go out there with the mom, yeah, and the pizza's on the ground, and right. Mike, the brother, picks it, opens up the thing, and it kind of sticks to the roof, and they're like, "It's ruined now." <laughs> and Mike's holding a piece of pizza that's this floppy piece of pizza, and I'm like, "They just walk in the house and leave the pizza on the ground." And I'm like, "No one's gonna pick it up. You can eat that thing." <laughs> it's told it, Mike. Mike's got a slice in his hand. It's not ruined. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> they go back in the house. Uh. Ugh. So I, I want to say a couple things about this movie. Yeah, go for it. We're, we're, we're good. Um, not good, but that we're good from a now a different perspective that I'm older. Sure. Um, I got to I gotta like um, – I got to love Steven Spielberg. I, I, I got to say that – I mean that's a understated thing that everyone in the world knows. But um, John Williams hopefully someday in history will be seen as, you know – uh, an American legend that will never be repeated. I think the same thing with Steven Spielberg. I don't know if y- you can watch, we don't get to see movies like, like that, like movies he makes anymore. And if you do, you only get those feelings when you go watch a movie like ready player one and which Steven Spielberg directed. And, and you're like, this is a Steven Spielberg movie. It makes no real sense. There's no real, like don't bring your logic into this thing at all because every scene makes little sense uh, for example um mike is running away from the g-men who are tailing him on his bike and he c- 
cuts around a house. I, mean, I want, kind of really want you to watch this again. He cuts around and then does like a circle in a driveway, runs through some garbage cans, which makes for a nice little scene, but he just does a circle for no reason and then goes up a hill. I'm like, it's just because the music works and it makes him look like he's running away, but it, it's none of Spielberg's logic makes any sense. It's just like a very adventurous, fun thing. You know, the mom is walking around and not paying attention to the kids at all when E.T.'s walking behind her and stuff. That mom character is ridiculous. That's what I'm saying is that all of the characters are really ridiculous. The when At the very beginning, when the government agents are all looking for E.T. out in the woods, they all have the same flashlights and they all stand there and they all point their flashlights up at the same time to look up in the sky at this you know, thing flying away. And then they all put it down at the exact same time to point at one spot where E.T. is. And I'm like, this makes no sense, it, but it makes for a good scene for it what it is. Cool. And yeah. it looks cool. And all of that's all Spielberg. Spielberg just does this. Like, I don't, we're not telling a real life story here. He, don't get hung up on this is real. Here's something that I heard recently. And I might've even said this on the podcast before, but um, I was listening to another another podcast by a guy who's uh, uh, well-known as a storyteller. And he said, there's a thing, there's a thing that Spielberg does that is fairly uncommon. I think um, where he, he is telling a story. He's telling a normal story with, with the hook, with the, like wearing the costume of a of a fantastic story and by fantastic i mean like amazing supernatural incredible yeah right. some way um, right the the example given was jurassic park uh where he said the real story of jurassic park is about the doctor uh um sam neill and how he he can't relate to children and he doesn't like children mm-hmm he he dislikes children so much that it's hurting his relationship with the woman he loves. Yep. And he learns to move past that and, you know, connects emotionally with a pair of children and grows as a person. But that's not a movie pitch. I mean, it is. Right. For sure. It is, but it's not for what he's going to, kind of movie he makes. It's not a movie that, that a ton of people are going to go, like a couple people will probably go see it. But you're not going to put right. that on a marquee. Right. Instead, you make the story of how he connects with these children about dinosaurs that a guy brought to life. And now suddenly people were like, let's go see this movie where dinosaurs come to life. And they go oh, into and in the, the middle. There's they, a real story. Yeah, there. they go in the theater and they sit down. And what they don't, I mean, they don't just see a bunch of special effects dinosaurs for two hours. Right. They see those dinosaurs and are told a real story. Yeah. Um, beyond and, the and spectacle. You know, a, a, a lot of shows have a problem with that nowadays is that they want to show the spectacle and they just ham fist a really terrible story in there. And case in point, the most recent Jurassic World was that. It's just like they made a dinosaur movie and then, okay, we'll throw in a little bit about relationship. There's no real story in that. Yeah, there's no, there's no story at all. And, and, this, and this movie, E.T., is the same way, except that the story is more... I mean, I guess the story is really about Elliot's relationship with his family. 
right? Like the dad is gone. He's, he's, you know, an outcast, not outcast is a strong word, but like his brother won't let him participate in his games because he's too young. He doesn't have any friends at school. His mom is oblivious and, and cause, cause she's, you know, processing her own, uh, grief over her broken marriage. And in the course of meeting and befriending this alien, they are brought together and, and can, uh, you know, by the end of the movie are a true family that are, that are connected. Um, yeah, the, I, I like that, that call out to there, that, that real type thing. And I think a lot of good movies, the fantastical movies, the superhero movies and stuff that you'll, the ones that are the best that everyone likes gets the highest ratings and whatever are the ones that do have that. The um, Captain America is a story about a, you know, a guy trying to overcome his small weak self and being a good person and how he does that and shows shines tried and true. Uh, the recent Avengers infinity war is about a guy trying to save the universe from its own itself. destruction yeah. itself. Um, and his quest to try to make that complete at all costs and how it costs him everything that he loves, you know? Um, and obviously Thanos being the hero, but is he is the main thing. But by the way, did you know that they actually, Thanos was originally penned to narrate that movie. He was hmm. going to be the the whole thing, but they just decided the last time to, to take that out. But anyway, side note, a little, um, a little too much, right? So anyway, um, yeah, Spielberg does do that. It's it's a uh, it's really cool, and you can watch all his movies and see and definitely see that in there with Elliot and Et. It's definitely this this boy and. You know his his relationship with this thing and need, needing that kind of a thing. Oh, like that article said, Spielberg feeling the fish out of water when he was in a a young boy at that age, and his yeah, parents I mean, being divorced. If, and if he had tried to make a movie just about his literal childhood, being you know an outcast in a neighborhood, not having any friends, like you really got to do something to that story to to bring audiences in to try and to try and tell that because it's too it's too mundane it's too real uh to right. be to to function as entertainment um so with spielberg i, I wanted to uh <laughs> sorry put this back is that is he it just feels so so fun and to the point i mean the point is to watch those things that you're just talking about like you're like it's to learn about these characters in a very kind of high level way, but know it's deep and, and the way he tells it with the music and the actors doing that, you know, they cry at certain times and some of the dialogue he to, to get those deep connections, but not get into the details of everything. You know, it's still a fan. Maybe he masks it by the fact that it's a fantastical thing and not a sure, you know, if, if he got, if he, I don't know if I've seen, there probably is Spielberg movies that aren't so fantastical and serious I wonder if those are as good. Like if he just tells one and doesn't disguise it as, um, you know, have have that. Because when you watch a Jurassic Park, you know that like, oh, there's dinosaurs on the screen. I can't take it too seriously, right? And there's there's a there's a there's a animatronic alien on the screen. It can't be that serious. So you kind of take his serious movie and you give him a lot of passes on things right. because of that. I wonder if that's one of his tricks his movie tricks or something, which is clearly successful. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess that's sort of what I'm trying to say is like, 
he he has a story to tell that is that is emotionally impactful, but the 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 mechanics of it are kind of boring or or just mundane. But they're they're allowed those those mechanics, those boring mechanics are allowed to slip through because there's fantastic things on the screen. Right. And then and then that carries you to the emotional payoffs. Right. And and it all wraps it into one thing and makes you feel and the way he wraps things up and all his movies have the a great big bow kind of type thing at the end, which mm-hmm. is perfect for me, right? Um, Ready Player One does the same thing. It's one of the reasons why Spielberg was so great with Ready Player One is that he does the same thing he does on E.T. and and you know Indiana Jones and all of the stuff that he does is just so. By the way, did you know Harrison Ford was in E.T. But all of his scenes were cut. Were cut. Yeah, he was. Um, I didn't know that till just today. Is that he was uh, Elliot's principal, and hmm. they don't they don't show him. Um, uh, besides the mom, here's something to note. Besides the mom, Spielberg made very important that they did. He did not show any adults' faces in the whole movie until the government agents came in, and then they were seen as this like big, kind of scary, oppressive type thing because they're adults, mm-hmm. right? Um, but you don't see any adults' face. You don't see the school teacher. You don't see anyone else but kids and their faces, mm-hmm. which was kind of neat. And uh, Harrison Ford was. The principal, and they never showed his face until the very end. Hmm. Um, but so that yeah, was a little side, side bit because he obviously worked with him on on many. Yeah, uh, the, the character before. of Keys was a little bit of a a little bit of a bait and switch because the musical cues and the cinematography of always showing his keys really felt like he was being set up to be a villain. Like some of his musical cues sounded like uh, the Imperial March from Star Wars. Um, yeah, they wanted you. To, they wanted you to make. Uh, you think that he was a bad guy, right? And then when he starts talking to him, you're like, oh, is this a trick? It feels like a trick. And it's you're put right in the mind of Elliot. Like you're looking at him. You're looking at that character of Keys from the kid's perspective. Like you don't trust him at all. But at the at the end of the film, when it comes down to it, he's not he's not actually bad. Um, yeah, and, and and it's neat because I do remember him being like, "Oh, he's actually the nice grown up." Um, when you thought <laughs> thought that he wasn't, um, and that came through in this one. I actually, yeah. my takeaway from ET on this one too was like, "What did I notice now?" On here was that um, the adults weren't. I, I not at any point that except when you didn't see their face did I did I see them as bad guys. The government people came in exactly when they should have came in they came in and they found an alien for pete's sakes and this kid is infected with a disease yeah you know the the mom the first time she sees et elliot and her are dying right and and i remember in the movies thinking like oh that terrible mom's stolen away and they're all the kids are screaming and like no no they're just don't listen to the kids and i'm like oh my god no that mom got that kid out of there and got her kids away from that as right away yeah 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 the kid the alien is Dead and alien, and they're even saying Elliot says we're dying, which yeah. by the way, Venom must have got off of that. But <laughs> um, the Elliot Elliot ET connection, I didn't remember it. Um, I didn't remember it being so tight. Like he was, what's the? He's a Deanna Troy. The yeah, they're the, uh, they're empathically linked. Empathic, that's right. Empathically linked. I didn't remember it being 
I just didn't remember that that they were that mm. that much and that they had a thing. And also, some of the several of the deleted scenes have they reinforce it. That sure. Elliot is they they do things where Elliot's you know seeing through ET and ET's doing things through Elliot, mm. um, which is which is interesting. But no, this show was and still is pretty unique. I love it. It's an adventure, and um, mm-hmm. it does it hold up. It holds up in the context that you recognize that it's in the eighties. Sure. You know, I think it would stand right next to Stranger Things. I th- yeah. I, Sydney did not get to watch this one. We had some issues with with playback, like we were wanting to watch. Mm. Uh, but I I bet if she watched it today, she would still like it and see it totally fine, because she realizes it's in the eighties. Yeah. Just like. Stranger Things is, and she realizes that wear the clothes they wear, act the way they do, <laughs> you know, because of the 80s. So, yeah, loved it. Of course, it's there. I'm happy to check this one off um, and scratch it off on the poster and, and get another one. Yeah, um, yeah. We're, we're two for two on this, and I'm having a happy January. What's our, what's our next one to of, go through on this uh, um, Spielberg and Harrison Ford, our next uh, movie on the list here is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh man, I am gonna love this time week. All right, um, yeah. See, here's freaking John Williams. It's it's the best all day. I've been singing the ET theme song in my head. Uh, have you seen? And, have you ever seen that YouTube video where the kid uh, sings about Star Wars using all the different John Williams themes? No, I haven't. Uh, I'll I'll send I'll send it to you afterwards. It's, it. it's pretty funny. It's uh, the, classic YouTube. The uh, yeah, John Williams is. I mean, every 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 time he gets an award, he comes out on stage with you know his music blaring, and you're like, well, of course this guy gets an award. Of course, <laughs> he's like 95 now, so it's going to be like a Stan Lee moment when he passes away, and the world mourns a a great big loss of a a real life hero. Yeah, uh, he's a master. I mean, the of guy. The, well, I, I I was a music major for two years of my life in, in college. Mm-hmm. So to suffice to say, I, I have some experience with music mm-hmm. and scoring and stuff like that. It's, it's unbelievable. A savant that you have to be to understand how to compose good things and see all of the pieces and to do it more than once that it's well known is amazing to do it for your entire lifetime is she's, yeah. you know, that's to be treasured. Uh, so what's the next one that comes up? Um, I just said it's Raiders. Oh, yeah. Duh, duh. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, I just, okay. I was so excited about talking about John Williams again. <laughs> All right. So we've got we've got about half an hour here. Do you want to do you want to talk about Mary Poppins or jump down to this uh, video game, mobile game stuff? We've been talking about movies for a while. Uh well let's do Mary Poppins because okay. I know we're we're doing movies here but but I I saw Mary Poppins Dennis talked about it. I saw Mary Poppins Returns and Dennis saw that uh the right rightly so when it first came out I should have seen it before um <laughs> I, I saw it I, in between mind, I, yeah I saw it in between Christmas and and New Year's uh with uh, with my family we went the uh the Brokaw the as I call it the beer theater has two screens and they had um Aquaman and uh. Uh, Mary Poppins Returns, and we watched them both. <laughs> I was like, or, or, I was like, I want to see good, both good. of these. So let's go to the six o'clock Mary Poppins and just stay until the nine o'clock Aquaman, and uh, and we'll watch them both. So but you did. Get do a you chance. mind if I go ahead and lead on this one? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Just, go for it. Because it's been uh, a little while for me, but I 
I enjoy, I right. really enjoyed this. Right, and I, I kind of feel like I robbed you from talking about this for the last couple of weeks, because I'm sure I wouldn't want to talk about it. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm, a little, I'm a little mixed on this, but not in a bad way, I guess. Okay. Uh, only mixed because it was, it was kind of rough for me to watch it um, for the first half. I was, uh, I guess, I, I, I kind of came into it with a feeling of, you know, that this was going to have a modern type story or a modern type thing. And um, it really didn't. It just, it, it kind of mimicked the exact feel and everything that the first one had mm-hmm. um, uh, of what it is. I mean, it's got a story, but 50%, easily 50% of the movie doesn't have anything to do with that story. Um, sure. It's just long musical numbers that are just for kids <laughs> and to be fun for kids. And I was looking for like, okay, here's a musical number that I just kind of got to get, you know, it's it just enjoy it for what it is, but let's get to the next story. And I was kind of looking for the story plots to be mixed in and they wasn't, they weren't mixing it in at all. Um, so I first had a feeling of like, you know, uh, th- this is just dropping the ball. There's a really interesting story with the dad and, um, the kids and there's something happening here and they're not really, they're wasting an hour not doing stuff. But then about halfway through that, I started realizing that I'm being dumb here (laughs) and not enjoying the awesome stuff that's actually happening on the screen right now. Just like a kid would do watching this show, just like Sydney was doing right next to me. Um, And then that's when I, I totally switched my brain off from that mental way of thinking of it and started looking at this as if I was a kid watching this show and it just totally changed for me. It was like, I love all this, (laughs) you know, I love, I love how fantastical it is and you know, they're capturing everything that I actually remember Mary Poppins being. And it reminded me of being a kid. It really, really did. It's like, I I just want to, I remember the uh, supercalifragilistic scene of Mm -hmm. Mary Poppins and it has nothing to do with the story. Just like this, <laughs> many of those movies have nothing to do with it. Yeah. But you remember it. And it was fun. And it was funny. And there's penguins. And there's little animated stuff. And that was cool. And this movie did that. It totally captures everything of the first one. The um, Emily Blunt was a great Mary Poppins. Mm-hmm. Um, the Just like the Christmas story we watched with uh, Russell Crowe and having Mrs. Claus come at the end, I was also happily surprised by um, Dick Van Dyke showing up there at the end. And not, Angel not Russell Crowe. N- not Russell Crowe. No, what did I say? Sorry, what was his name? Uh, uh, Kurt Russell. Kurt, Kurt Russell. Russell. There you go. Sorry. Uh, and uh, I was happy, happy to see Dick Van Dyke show up. And they yeah, even, yeah. I don't know. I'm sure they did a little CG eye type face when he did the little dancing. But Yeah, he's like 90 or something. Yeah, right. Like I, when he came out, I was like, "Oh my god, he's still alive! I'm so happy he's alive. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's so good." Um, so that that was that was good. And and uh, then they did. Sure enough, at the end, they they said, "Okay, now we're coming to the end of the show. Let's watch the last twenty minutes and actually do the story yeah, um, in a very in, fun and fantastical way." Born in twenty five, so, so he's ninety three years old. Um, wow, ninety three. One of the things. One of the things that I appreciated, there were definitely musical numbers where I felt like they felt long. Yes. Um, and like, yes. but I don't, I don't know. I mean, um, I saw Greatest Showman last year, and mm-hmm. that's probably the first musical that I've seen uh, since what? Chicago? Surely not Chicago. Moulin Rouge, maybe. Moulin Rouge, 
Chicago. There's got to be at least one more recent than those two because those are like besides like Disney fifteen ones years ago. Besides animated Disney films, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, it's hard to say. But there's a little bit. Did you watch of, Les Mis? Yeah, Les Mis, probably Les Mis, um, which I saw in the theater and was, you know, generally satisfied with, but not not fully. And then we watched it yeah. again more recently, and understanding that. Uh, the director was going for um, a much more realistic stage-like performance um, as opposed to the more polished film musical Mm -hmm. uh, style a la, you know, something like uh, Audrey Hepburn's My Fair Lady where the the singing is dubbed. Um, it, It sort of... It made me appreciate, you know, <laughs> talking about Russell Crowe, Russell Crowe's vocal work. Um, oh, yeah, sure. Uh, but anyway, we're not talking about Les Mis. We're talking about this. <laughs> right. um, yeah. I appreciated how they, because t- that was sort of my perspective as it moved forward. I, you know, from the from the first scene where you've got, um, you've got, uh, uh, I'm going to say, Lynn Manuel Miranda. Uh, you've got the guy who's not Dick Van Dyke. Oh, yeah, yeah. Who uh, is Fred or Frank or something, maybe? Or, yeah. Yeah, I know you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, it's Jack. Uh, Jack. Jack. Why do I forget His Jack, character's yeah. name is Jack. Um, and he's singing a song that's not the song Dick Van Dyke sings. And he's. It's Trip the Light Fantastic. Right? Well, that's, that's later, but he sings the song about London un- under the. Oh, yeah, yeah. The lovely London sky. That's, the lovely London sky, yes. And um, and he's not a chimney sweep, and he's not singing <laughs> he's that not. song, and his accent is not as rough cockney as Dick Van Dyke's ridiculous accent in the original. Right. And which, so, which that show got a lot of, you know, bad re- reviews. That's the bad reviews they got. Right. Like his, his, he was unintelligible. So, um, yeah. But I think from those opening sequences, I was watching this movie comparing it to the original going what are they okay so they they're doing all of these things that are similar but not not the original because you can't I mean, yeah they don't they don't you, try to do original right here. and they so that's mean, that's what i was looking for i was like are they gonna try and do you know the original thing but it's it's different the the mother's gone so it's the you know the sister's there and they've just got the one housekeeper and it's it's further forward in time, so the you know um, the, the 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 culture is different, not super different, but still different. Um, yeah, I guess if the original the original takes place during uh, um, suffrage movement in England, which I know here that was like the. Like right they're, after they're World War labors. One, yeah, they're doing the labor movement on this. one. They're That's doing their... labor movement, which is probably um, we probably moved forward like thirty years, right? But you know Something. what? It's it, they did they did a good parallel with that one because like the suffragette movement was um, for the women's rights was a big thing that happened when 
Mary Poppins' time period was set, but mm-hmm. it wasn't the biggest thing that was going on. There was obviously the war and other stuff that was no, happening. No, of course. I mean, but I'm using like those secondary... as, as benchmarks to try and right. try and pin down what time frame. Right, but but it, that's interesting how this one this one also comes out with like union rights as a a political kind of statement, but it also wasn't the biggest thing of the time. So they did a really good job allegory between the two, like to sort setting of things that to give you, you know, a to give you a vague sense of what era they're in without without handing it yeah. down specifically. Um, like saying the depression, <laughs> the depression, kind of, yeah. or World War Two, or whatever, um, yeah. and. So then, so then we've got just, just song for song, the like, oh, they're doing this instead of whatever. It's a, it's a ceramic bowl instead of a chalk drawing. I didn't mm-hmm. say this before we started, but if the listener has not seen Mary Poppins Returns, it's great. Go watch it and then come back and listen to what we say because we're going to spoil it otherwise. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, the bowl scene was, I thought was going to be like when I got, that's, I think the bowl scene is when I, realized that i was looking at this movie you were looking wrong. at it wrong yeah because um, when that started happening i was like starting to almost get grown worthy and then i was like no this is dumb to be you're an idiot you need to look at through the eyes of a kid again you've lost your little boy start enjoying this thing and it was fun then all of a sudden i'm like oh the tent and oh the people and the i mean it's you know. easy to it's easy for the movie to have emotional impactful moments because of <laughs> the dead mother it's kind of a that's yeah talking about it now that's a thing where i could say is a little bit of a criticism or like that's a real that's a real easy catalyst for for strong emotional moments but i i went out to uh use the restroom and get a second beer right before the um the lullaby okay and the original the lullaby in the original movie is the is stay awake right it's reverse psychology classic yeah. uh mary poppins gaslighting um <laughs> which she is a witch sort she of is a witch it it sort of makes it interesting that the that the jack character is a leery he's a he's literally lighting and extinguishing the gaslights in the city <laughs> um but i i walked back into the theater and sat down next to my sister and i was gonna say you know oh this is the, the original the original uh, uh lullaby was better because she does this, this stay awake. But the, so the the song has already started when I come back in, and she's she's singing this whole song about how the even though the mom is gone, she's still with them in their hearts. And I'm like, you know, struggling not to tear up a little bit. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm, like I gl- I'm glad I didn't say anything because because this is this is pretty good. <laughs> this is good. And then the the little kid sings it at the like near the end there, and you're like, they, oh, they sing it for the dad. And there's a there's yeah. a a connecting moment there. I really like, um, I mean, so many of these songs, like I, f- I forget, like I, I never watched the high school musicals. I couldn't get into glee. Um, what's the other one? Pitch perfect. I didn't watch that oh, yeah, either, that yeah. I forget how much I can really enjoy a musical. I mean, I, yeah, I, I agree, like music. I we've, we've, in many of our conversations, we talk about the power of music, um, yeah. And, and so I forget, but like I, the soundtrack is on Spotify and I, I was listening to some of it a week ago ish. And, um, there's like in the lyrics of, of even the very first opening song, um, uh, underneath the lovely London sky, um, he has a line, he says, uh, yesterday 
yesterday you had to borrow from your chump, so like you were broke yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, seems the promise of tomorrow never comes. But while you've slept the day away, tomorrow's come. It's called today. And I yeah. and I heard that listening to it again, and I'm like, oh, that's a that's good. That's um, it's, it's very poetic. It, I mean, of course, but it's you know, right. it's it's hopeful, and it's you know, yep. kids' movie. You want it to be hopeful, especially knowing that you're going into a movie with so much tragedy. Um, oh yeah. Um, so the, the, and I like that soundtrack. That that soundtrack was as soon as we got home, and then for the rest of the night, Sydney <laughs> put it on Alexa and was just playing it on repeat. All the nice, time. And nice. then this morning I wake up and she gets up and the first thing she does is turn Alexa and she's doing the, um, the lamp lighter song mm. and it's just playing it on mm-hmm. repeat, which is fine. And it's really, and then trip to light. Fantastic. That's the one yeah, that that's, she's playing totally all the time. That's a, I forget now who it's accredited to some, um, some old English poet, but that expression, uh, trip light. Fantastic is a euphemism for dancing, like light, sort of sprightly dancing oh. and of course I it's, liked, a, it's I, a double thing because he's he's lighting the lights right so there oh yeah definitely there, so there's so many things to, to like about this movie from different standpoints or like reasons why this is good and why that's good mm-hmm. uh, like the story itself's good all the things that you would you would just all mention you went through was all reasons to like it um and then there's reasons that are about like the main story or what happens or anything or any cinematography just because they're just good and fun. Like I liked the, the, um, I want to call it circus, but it's the theater when they're in the bowl scene. Like that was just a yeah, series would, of three little short stories. Like that was really fun. You know, just, I had fun listening to the guy talk with the penguins and tell the story <laughs> about this stuff. And like that, and he, and Mary, you know, they're like, Mary, come on stage. And she's like, oh, I know I couldn't. And then she just jumps right. Off. Of course I can. And she jumps on the stage. She and does this like almost burlesque kind of uh, or or Moulin Rouge kind of um, kind of dance. And I I think I like that better than Supercalifragilistic. Oh, I know. It's I so, do too. She- it's so catchy. And it's so like, it's this weird sort of... Um, like character shift for her. It's like she, you know, they do her hair's different and everything. Yep. And she switches her accent. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Oh, Mary Poppins is amazing. You know? <laughs> and, and of course, and then I from mean, then on, every, she's, yeah, she's a witch. I mean, she's, she's a good <laughs> witch. She's a good witch. I, I kept thinking like, Oh, this is like Galinda's sister or something. Right. Um, but the, but the, uh, she's definitely a good witch. And I like when, like the the lamplighters and obviously the chimney sweeps and other people, they know Mary and they immediately accept that she's amazing because they've already had past experiences with Mary mm-hmm. Poppins to know what I've just learned by watching this show is that like this woman is amazing. They've known it their their, their whole life, so when they see her, they're like, "Well, yeah, she's Mary Poppins," mm-hmm. you know. And and when she turns around, and you would think is a very narcissistic type comment, she's like. <laughs> Nearly perfect in every way. And you're like, yeah, you kind of are. <laughs> for, you're kind of a narcissist for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're kind of cool. Um, obviously, Gaslighting is the name of this show, which is amazing. And she's amazing <laughs> at it. Um, I, I, I like the uh, you had mentioned that term to me a while back and I kind of looked it up for people who don't know what gaslighting is. It's it's making you doubt things that, you know, are true. Um, and she does things like, uh, you know, the parrot will talk, her, her cane will talk and they'll be like, your parrot just talked. And she's like, no, it didn't. That'd be utterly ridiculous. And then she just walks away and starts thinking like, if they start doubting 
whether she's these things are really happening or not. Yeah, it's um, it's, I, it's a sort of it's um I think a, a psychology term I I heard Merlin Mann say it once and then and then looked it up. It's a it's when you deceive or manipulate someone to an extent that makes them question the, the, like the nature of reality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sort of yeah. it's a it's a real negative malicious term but which 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 it is but that's kind of also a little bit of a thing that they play on in this movie because it's an important part at the end when they michael realizes that it was all real and he he kind of breaks his gaslighting he's like and then he's all happy again um that he remembers that the fantastic stuff and i do like the little line that they kept saying several times is that tomorrow the the, the grown-ups will always forget Right. That's right. how they. That's how they just gloss over it. They, well, and and in the list of and in the list of changes from the original to this story, uh, I think I said this a couple of weeks ago. Um, my our youngest sister was in the uh, the stage version of the original, which is more it it expounds more on the father because the story is really about you know again going back to the thing we talked about with Spielberg, like. This is a story about a father who can't relate to his kids, right? And that in the beginning, the original. Now I'm talking about. Um, yeah, I so say he, he does a pretty good job in this. One. Michael's pretty both good parents, but the the mother is is like a um, is like a caricature in the original. Uh, not not yeah. so much in the stage version, but it's really about the father and his children. Like he doesn't, he can't even be around them because he doesn't know how to relate to them at all. And yeah. Mary Poppins comes in and throws all of this chaos and whimsy into their lives and causes him to change his perspective. And now he can relate to his kids. He can They can go fly a kite together. Um, but this movie, because Michael uh, Banks is not George Banks, he's a completely different person. Um, I mean, he is, he's yeah. still a father. Uh but he's an artist. He's a creative. He's not a rigid, ordered, um, you know, very, you know, just to to paint it in broad. He's st- not a stiff. Right. To paint it in broad strokes, the character of George Banks is very conservative and the character of Michael Banks as a father is much more liberal, at least mm-hmm. or to, to use those terms, which is not not completely accurate, but it's, you know. Because of the way his father was and because of the way his childhood was, he grew up a different way. And right. so he has he has a different it's actually very similar to um this ET story where he's so preoccupied with his financial situation and struggle and his grief over the loss of his wife that he can't he's he's pushing his kids away. Yeah. You know, this this that actor will never get cited for a, a an Academy Award for this <laughs> thing because it's not whatever kind of political you know thing that wrangling needs to go into it, or this movie isn't kind of a set up to be a an Academy contender or whatever. But it's it's I think it's worth I'm going to do it here on this little podcast that we have and, and comment <laughs> that it should be noted that this guy did such a great job at acting. In this in this movie, yeah. I mean, granted, you're right. The subject matter of having a dead wife is an easy thing to pull on the heartstrings. But but his solo song up in the attic, where he he just makes you feel like he is a 
a good, happy person that is truly struggling with being without his wife and how to do things. And, and while the words can do it and the, the, the music can be one point, the, the way he had things on his face and the moments when he teared up when it should be or smiled when he you could tell he's kind of fighting through it was just perfect. And he was amazing. And he does he did it through all the scenes throughout the whole movie. He got angry and you could tell that he was frustrated because <laughs> he doesn't know what to do. Yeah. He was a very real person. And he turns it around when his kids... He delivers the line. I hope that I'm as like I can't remember. I hope that I'm as wise as you when I grow up, or something like that, <laughs> or as clever as I'm. Hope I'm as clever as you when clever I grow as up. You. Yeah, yeah. He he was great. Um, Emily Mortimer, who played the sister um, Jane, she was really good. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I liked the I liked the Jack character that was active. Obviously, Emily Blunt was good. like all of the all of the acting. They you know Colin Firth. To be the bad guy. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. And the, and the the admiral was spot on, right? Right. Right. The, the, it was the neighbor kind of kind of tragic that he uh, his his time is off. He's getting slow. <laughs> he's uh, getting slow. And then Big Ben got it right. They finally got it right. <laughs> when they, how good was that? They, they do that ridiculous whole whole sequence with the clock. Um, Which is funny, by the way. They didn't even need anybody. Mary Poppins could just be like, "Boom, just I got fly this." Up there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, talking about the talking about the dad's song in the attic, I I heard that because I didn't listen to the whole soundtrack. I got as far as uh, maybe the first few bars of the lullaby song, and then I was driving, got where I was going. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> listening to that song in the attic, I noticed how, and this had to have been a conscious artistic decision. They're never explicit about uh, the wife. It's it's always just that she's gone to the point where one of my family members when we when we saw it, when we were out in the in the theater lobby said that like they weren't sure that the mom was dead that maybe she had left. There was a moment I I was thinking of that too when they were singing that lullaby song I was like are they going to try to bring her back did she not die? <laughs> but yeah uh, even even Mary Poppins that's too far for. <laughs> right. That, well, there. I said in that lullaby scene dad. when she's she's looking at the, at them. I'm thinking they're not going to go this far with the witch, <laughs> are they? I mean, they're not going to. She's not going to be start dabbling in necromancy. The this crazy witch, but it's they didn't. I, I have to imagine that it's a sort of, um, you know, talking about English British, uh, you know, polite society, polite way of speaking. That it just it's just always that she's gone. She's no longer with us. Like, yeah. don't you never literally say that she's dead. Um, a combination of of the British thing and the fact that it's still a movie for for kids. When yeah. uh, we got we got out of the theater um, for this movie, and I said, I said, th- I think this is my this is my favorite uh, children slash family movie of 2018. Sure, um, and. And it made it made me it well right in the middle of the thing it literally reminded me that I needed to be a kid, um, and and some movies I can go in and say this is a kid movie or this is supposed to be this one this one I I went in maybe with a, you know thinking of it to be a, a Disney movie that was going to have a story and a plot and a thing and do their normal stuff so this yeah this is a good kids movie that reminded you to be a kid when you're watching it and I mean I don't watch that many kid movies so. This year, that that list probably includes uh, Ralph breaks the internet, uh, 
Incredibles 2, um, I don't know. There might be one more in there that I'm forgetting. And uh, and Spider-Verse, which is also PG. Because I might have said PG, because I haven't seen that many PG movies. Most are PG-13 mm-hmm. or R. And, uh, and our buddy Fox said... Uh, said well where does this one stand next to next to spider-verse and i'm like well it's too too i didn't have time in the in the chat to say i don't know that i would put these the, these two movies in the same category even though they're both pg um mary poppins returns is much more like squarely in the middle of pg where spider-verse was like right on the line between pg and pg-13 um i said i said i felt like this movie had a bigger uh bar to clear had a higher bar to clear did i see maybe that was a different thing for me is that i i while I liked and appreciated mary poppins it was not one of my big disney-ish movies from back then yeah I, and i mean I in you know it's one of those things where like you go back and watch it now and there's a lot of weird cultural things it's a strange story weird supernatural things but like in a time when disney was making a lot of <laughs> you know what really are just garbage movies that don't hold up kind of like i said about star wars and it's time um yeah so many of the other movies around it do not hold up at all um to where this movie is, you know, in the in the hearts and minds of people our age who saw it as kids and maybe not as adults, so they only have those those rose colored nostalgia kid glasses to see this movie through. That's a that's a tall order to try and. I mean, most sequels that are made, especially Disney and. A, Maybe even not especially Disney, because you think about other things like Indiana Jones 4 or the Star Wars prequels. Like, you make yeah. a sequel after a long time, after decades have gone by, and it's almost always a disaster. Um, you know, they're, they did, they've done that with a bunch of the animated films, like a Brave Little Toaster 2 and a Little Mermaid 2 and uh, Lion, Lion King 2. Yeah. Hmm. And, they're, and they're almost all just garbage <laughs> just garbage <laughs> um, uh, you know <laughs> so say if you're gonna say that so to go all this time whatever it is like 50 years or something um and and pull it off you know is a is a spectacular achievement i guess it totally was and, and, and good on them and and like the other ones that came out at this time it's almost a little sad that that uh it came out with all these other movies and yeah. and that were also great, and the the year is weird. I was thinking I have this A list pass of AMC now mm-hmm. where I get a <clears throat> I get to see a like three free music movies a week. And I'm looking at the the theaters right now. I was thinking I wanted to go. We watched Mary Poppins Returns, but you know there wasn't a lot of choices because they're all dropping out of theaters right around now. Yeah, um, and also they're getting pushed out by you know, quote. I'm going to say. Um, academy movies which are like ugh. um <laughs> but the so i wish that they would you know hollywood would sprinkle out their their big hits throughout the year instead of like just ramming them down at the holidays and ramming them during the summer and then only in may and you know then you have months of 
boredom and you know dramas and stuff and then you go back it's i know that there's a lot of thought and reasons for yeah i mean the there, world there happening are, there are still. peaks in the market when the most people go to the theaters and that's when they want to put out their big budget things so that they can make the money back right but then you have things like this we have bumblebee spider verse um mary poppins returns aquaman within the exact same month and you you know I, I actually kind of wanted to watch, crazy to say, the, the dead the Deadpool two one where they PG thirteen it up, mm. um, and I want to go see it, but there's no way I'm going to go watch that when there's like six other amazing shows out, and <laughs> and I'm still going to miss. You know, thankfully some of them were were big bombs that I've heard like Holmes and Watson and yeah, yeah. Marwin. I heard they weren't very good, but you know, still, I wish that I wish that we could see a Mary Poppins come out around Thanksgiving when there wasn't anything or a little bit before Thanksgiving Halloween or something. And we can go oh, watch sure. that. But, I see what you're saying. You know, and, and then, so I could watch that one. And then next two weeks later, watch this one. And I, granted, this is a guy that I watch a lot of movies, so I want to <laughs> see them all, but I know that, you know, some people, David was an example. He only gets like two or three movies a year and he goes to the movie theater in December and he's got six great movies to watch and he only gets to pick one. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, it's it. That's his thing until the next summer. Yep. Um, and, and that's fine. I mean, he, he he enjoys him. And I'm just using an example for a lot of people. They'll enjoy that time that they'll have in the theater. But there's so many cool, neat things in the world that like he would miss a Black Panther or he'd miss something else in August I mean, and he, April. And he saw all four of the Marvel movies this past year. Well, but, yeah, he's he's a bad example for that. But um, um, yeah, I mean, I think the statistic is. What did I say? I said it in our group chat. It's it's like between five and eight. Like the average American goes to the theater somewhere. It's somewhere between five and eight times a year. So and you know that those peaks are on the on the calendar. You can see, you know, different times in the summer, the holiday week, uh, Christmas, New Year, um, probably Memorial and Labor Day weekend. And so that's that's when the stu- all the studios compete for those those slots. Yeah. Well, well, we, you know, hopefully we'll we'll get some good movies kicking in here pretty soon. Yep. We get some we get some uh TV shows to tide us over with Discovery coming That's back true. Out yep. We got and... by the time this airs, the first episode of uh Star Trek Discovery season 2 will be out. And yeah. Uh, so and, I'll have some things to to Put me tied me over, and then I guess in April, right? Game of Thrones coming back out. Is that? Oh, really? In April? Well, I, I, yeah. I so, forgot that that exists. That's been so. I, I know, right? <laughs> just a surprise. There's a thing. Um, uh, so that yeah, and we'll be we'll be hitting this year. Should be pretty good too with some movies. I think. Is there a new Star Wars? I can't even tell. I think there's a new Star Wars. There should be a new, event, a new Avengers. Be an episode nine, uh, toward the end of nineteen. Right. Unless yeah, I think it's, it's like in December. Pushed back again. I don't really. Know. Which, by the way, you know, talk about sucking up people's money, having that, and then uh, Avengers Endgame. You know, I think I don't know if they're going to directly be competing, but they'll be close to each other. No, there's no way Disney would. I think Endgame is coming out in like April. Oh, I thought it was a, a, a December one. Okay, that's even better. So, great. Um, let's see. It's got to be because I know that like they want to. Marvel's not going to hold off its other movies. They're going to want to put Miss Marvel out and yeah, all, uh, you know, its other next I, phase of I stuff. Don't, I don't normally do this on the show. Look stuff up in real time, but uh, but it's this important one. We gotta. It's we true. Gotta, it's true. April twenty sixth. 
Oh yeah, see April. So Game of Thrones and Endgame juice. That's yeah. gonna be a yeah. And there's thing. there's other stuff next. Uh, not next year. This year coming out. Uh, I'm more excited for the Shazam movie than I probably should be. I'll probably be disappointed uh, if I expect too much from that. But um, there's a couple others too that I'm not thinking of. But anyway. Um, yeah. Well, we we we've, we gotta get we got going over here. And we just got a couple movie stuff today. We didn't really get a lot of. What? Next week, I I, I want to talk to you about some games. How can we can we pull some games and comics into the maybe the list we'll of stuff? Uh, maybe we'll wait. We've got we'll squeeze in, in some time. Yeah, maybe we'll squeeze in some time Sunday to to record in person and talk about what board games we played when I'm in town. Yeah. So we've, we've got a lot of things to to talk about. Yeah. So yeah. Okay, man. I've, yeah, I've we got, need to, I've got we have board our own game podcast stuff. where we can talk I about got, this stuff. Um, I got a couple decks of Keyforge, but I've not had a chance to try that. That's a that's a real interesting topic. We busted out Gloomhaven again, finally, but <laughs> spent two hours, set up the game, and played one round before we had to leave uh, huh. uh, for a thing. But, well, uh, bring your Keyforge, and we'll see if we can play it. Yeah, yeah. So, cool. All right, is that good? Button this up. Yeah, that, that sounds good. Let's do this. <laughs> All right. Well, you've been listening to The Front Porch. This is episode 73. Uh, thanks, as always, to our good friends over at Geek Scholars Movie News. If you like uh, movie reviews, film headlines, all in glorious podcast form, you should check them out, Geek Scholars Movie News. If you like Star Trek role-playing or Star Trek role-playing and offensive humor, <laughs> not like this <laughs> show, uh, you can check out our other show, Klingons and Dragons. That's at KlingonsDragons.com. If you got topics, show ideas, uh, feedback, your thoughts on Mary Poppins Returns or E.T. or Raiders of the Lost Ark or anything that we're talking about, you can email us, frontporchpod at gmail.com. If you go to our website, frontporchpodcast.com, we got show notes, contact forms, all that good stuff. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on Spotify, or Apple Podcasts, anywhere podcasts are sold. And uh, while you're there, if you leave us a review, we appreciate that. Thanks, as always, for joining us. And until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. For the Front Porch. Good night. See you next time.